This is the Find Your Forte podcast, episode 36. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, bringing you the beginning of season two, which is incredibly exciting for me. I've been wondering what on earth I could bring to you for a new season that's not just choir directors. And I feel like I have benefited so much from learning uh, about uh, my life and how to cope with being who I am and and all the crazy stuff going on in my head through podcasts. And I have interacted with so many great podcasters and coaches and have just met some really awesome people uh, in this past couple years since I've begun this this journey, you know, down full-time entrepreneurship and podcasting. Uh, And I most recently, uh, when I moved to New York, uh, met a wonderful uh, woman named Dana Campbell and uh, she is joining me today on the podcast. And Dana does something that I think many of us can benefit from. She is actually a burnout coach. And I know as a music educator, I was probably burned out or nearing burnout uh, on a pretty regular basis. And I'm sure that many of you in Choir Nation, especially those in the public school world, can relate. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have Dana here to help me open up season two. Uh, so I'll, of course, we have to start with the traditional opening, which is Dana, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat? I am. Fantastic. Well, Dana, it's so glad to have you here. I know Choir Nation is incredibly appreciative uh, already just hearing my brief introduction. Uh, but I want to ask you, um, if I were to meet you at a cocktail party, and essentially I, I kind of did, uh, I met you uh, on at like sort of a rooftop yoga event uh, through a, a social club that I attend here, uh, that we both attend here in New York City. And uh, if I asked you what you did, which I, again, I did ask you what you did, what would you tell me? What would you tell Choir Nation? Uh, I would tell you that I am a career strategy and burnout coach and that I work with stressed out professionals to help them overcome burnout, um, create more space in their lives, and ultimately build careers that are fulfilling. So can you define burnout for me? Yeah. So the uh, definition of burnout that I am operating under is actually the most popular one kind of in the research world. And that is that it is, it is um, symbolized by three things. So the first one is exhaustion, which is typically the first piece that we normally talk about. Um, and emotional exhaustion is a piece of it. But if it was exhaustion alone, then it, we would be calling it exhaustion, not burnout. So um, definitely that piece goes along with it. The next kind of cornerstone of it is actually an increase in cynicism. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's like that's like all of Choir Nation. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, right. But we start to understand what happens, right, is basically that as you become emotionally exhausted, it's kind of your, your resiliency starts to break down and you become cyn- cynical about the system that you're in. Um, And the third one is actually very interesting as well in that um, 
it is described basically as um, negative feelings about yourself. So a feeling of your own personal performance declining or your ability to get stuff done declining or in general um, worrying about your reputation within the organization you're in, um, kind of all of that and noticing a decline in that. And now burnout, um, when you're actually getting measured for it or treated for it, you could have um, the key is two or more. So you may not have all three, but mm-hmm. two or more is what gets classified as burnout. I feel like that's like with most mental illness, it's usually like two or more. Like that's the general rule of psych- of like psychology, yeah. right? And mental illness. So, so I mean, burnout. I mean, it's as funny of a term as as that is. It's not like a classified. It's not like it's not a classified medical term, right? It's a in the U.S. It's not, but uh-huh. in other foreign countries, it actually is. Oh, okay. Um, so I believe Denmark. Um, it's classified as an illness, and there are a couple of other countries as well where they actually have medical treatment protocols around it. Wow. Okay. Now is, is there a a backstory for you about, about how you came to uh, get into this profession and, and potentially was there some burnout and occurring in your life? Oh yeah. Um, so I actually have experienced burnout twice in my career. Um, the first time I didn't realize at all, it was actually both times I didn't realize it was burnout until it was kind of there. Um, the very first time I was working in management consulting and, um, my back went out. So I assumed it was an injury. Um, it actually turned out to be entirely stress related. I spent four months not walking, couldn't walk for four months. Oh my God. Wow. Um, So hold up in my small New York city apartment, unable to leave. Um, still working during that period. Um, I was technically on short-term disability, but I kept working because I was um, very fear- fearful of losing my local gig. So in management consulting, you normally travel five days a week. Um, and so I was super fearful of losing my local gig. So hopped up on painkillers. I was working till midnight most nights. It was a total disaster. And as a result of it, I really... Um, didn't heal properly. Mm -hmm. I also uh, tried to treat it physically, meaning taking care of the back pain Mm -hmm. without actually doing any kind of self-reflective work. Uh Um, And so therefore it left me open to burnout again. Um, It was how I came back to yoga though. I had practiced yoga for a very long time. um, And that episode led me back to yoga and ultimately is what pushed me to become a certified yoga instructor and a therapeutic yoga instructor. Um, so my second instance with burnout was about seven years later in 2014. Actually, probably I spent the majority of 2013 and 2014 being burnt out. And this is where I can really start to say that that second, those second two of cynicism and feeling bad about yourself were mm-hmm. what expressed my, my burnout. I was in a job that was a horrible fit for me. And I knew it from day three, um, bad political climate, uh, different values than my own. And um, it really sent me into a tailspin to the point where I basically couldn't get up and go to work every day. So seven years before, you couldn't get up at all, <laughs> right? And now, yeah. now it's 2013, 2014. Your body's like, hey, remember when you didn't listen to me seven years ago? Yeah, now you're not going to get up again. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. I, very similarly, and I'll, t- I'll tell you a bit of a, a story. I had a crazy public school career awesome kids. Always loved my kids. We did amazing things together. We made beautiful music. But um, as you may know, I know you, you told me in your pre-interview that you have some clients in the, in the, in the education world. Uh, that it's not always the easiest place 
to work or get along with with administration and and uh, it's a I never got along with my administration unfortunately I'm not the most diplomatic person you'll ever meet um, and I guess perhaps if I had shut up more often then maybe I, my career would have lasted longer but uh, I'm so glad that it didn't anyway um, I recently looked at a picture of myself from two years ago, but two and a half, maybe three years ago, um, uh, I had taken my grandfather to Disney World, and uh, I had gotten off of, of school uh, for, it took some personal days, and took my 85-year-old grandfather to Disney World, and I went back to that picture, and it was a picture of me and, and him, and our heads were right next to each other. And I'm looking at my face, and I'm saying, okay, I was the same weight then that I am now, and I looked huge. I looked like swollen, like a tick, like about to pop. My face was big. <laughs> you wouldn't know that I was, I'm the same weight, you know? Yeah. And, and I was like, I think I was so stressed at that point in my career that, and I was fighting all these things that you're that you're talking about, you know these these uh, the definition of burnout. I've probably I was probably doing all three of them, and um, and I was swollen. I was literally inflamed. Yeah. And I'm like, your body, my body was telling me, Ryan, this is not what you should be doing. Just like yours was clearly telling you the same thing. Oh yeah, our bodies. So it's so ama- I mean, our bodies are magical and amazing, and we can never compete with how awesome they are. And they know when something is up and when something needs to be changed. And they will send us signal after signal after signal. And they just keep turning up the noise until we are left with no option but to listen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't surprise me at all that you would look back and say, well, I weighed the same, but I'm super puffy. I mean, I have clients who... Puffy is a nice way to to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Puffy. I'll take puffy. (laughs) I have clients who are losing their hair. I have clients who have had to go on high blood pressure medicine. Mm-hmm. I have clients who don't sleep through the night, who are biting through their um, bite guards, you know, their mouth guards. Um, the amount of, I mean, I have, I have um, my, I'm co-authoring a book with an old colleague of mine who also has her own burnout story. She was on basically what is bed rest for eight months and developed multiple autoimmune diseases because of her experience with stress. So this is the thing, right, is that it's one thing to complain about our workplace and to be like, oh, I hate my job. But it actually has incredibly horrible impacts Mm -hmm. to our health. Right. And people think... Complaining about it is like relieving the tension, but it's not at all, right? Because I, one of my favorite books, and I mention this all the time to, to Choir Nation, is The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And he was the gentleman who uh, founded the, who co-founded uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And one of the things in his book that he talks about is you don't, you don't complain about things that you yourself can change, right? Gravity kills more people in the world than any other force of nature, right? People fall off of ladders and planes fall from the sky, right? And gravity kills more, more people. But you never, you never turn on the news and listen to somebody say, you know what, damn it, gravity, you know, because they can't change it. And, and, but we sit around and I always tell people, do not go in that teacher's lounge, right? You go in that teacher's lounge and you are bound to feel worse than when you walked in. Totally. And it's all it is is people complaining about little Bobby Smith and and how the administration isn't treating them right and and 
and how much we don't get paid and that kind of thing. And it's just like, well, you know what? If it's that bad, just don't do it anymore. Like, I feel yeah. like it, like that's the cure. But, you know, many of us, especially in the music world, feels that we are we have a higher calling. We have to put up with this crap so that we can affect the kids that, we, you know, the kids and the and the amateur singers and professional singers that we need to we need to to affect. You know, I don't think it's probably just in the music world. I mean, obviously, the complaining goes on everywhere. But I mean, this idea of like having to put up with, Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of people feel that way, right? Definitely. I look at my husband who's in banking and he talks about how obedience is the only value of his organization. And he thinks he has to put up with it in order to stay inside the organization. But the answer really is, well, then that organization isn't a fit for you. Right. Right. Then find a different way to impact the lives of young children and aspiring singers and aspiring musicians. Find a different way. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's eventually my story is what I did. I eventually moved off and, and took took my private company full time, yeah. um, which was like, thank, let me get out of here. And I feel like I can offer that solution to to Choir Nation. Um, and I've been trying to sort of weasel my way into Choir Nation's brain and say, listen, there's other ways to do what you want to do without having to, you know, give, you know, give into the man, you know, that's right. causing you all this stress and potential burnout. So I, mean, I think the thing ahead. for them to know real fast is that when you're in a place where you are so stressed out that your body is reacting to it, your brain is functioning from the fight or flight mechanism. Literally, there's a part of the brain that is the fight or flight mechanism. And when your brain is operating there, you're basically operating under fear. And so you have a very limited view of opportunity available to you. Right. And how are you, going, how are you as an artist going to tap into the depth of of your knowledge and your creativity in a situation where you're operating on adrenaline alone. Yeah, you're not. You're right. not. Right, you're not putting your best foot forward. Exactly. All the hundreds of thousands of dollars of degree programs to get your doctorate in choral music and and you're not actually able to do to live up to your capacity because you're you're operating in the wrong mode. Your brain is is switched in the wrong gear. Yeah, exactly. that's inc- that's incredible, Dana. This is that's mind blowing to me. This is incredible. Um, so, so we've talked about you know uh, some of the side effects of burnout. You were talking, no, the physical side effects of burnout. How about some of the the, the side effects that you see in people's like relationships and emotions and things like that? Oh yeah, I have a great story um, from someone that we interviewed for our book who was a executive doing really well in his career. He uh, went through his first episode of burnout and it led to a divorce. Um, he then surprise, sort surprise. Yes, yeah, surprise, surprise. He then um, took a little bit of a break, but his ego allowed him to jump back into another job. And uh, five years later, ended up uh, burning out again because he hadn't corrected any of the behaviors and getting a second divorce. Um, oh. It has a, I mean, think about it, right? If you're not your best self, like you just said, how are you going to be in great, healthy relationships? Mm-hmm. How are you going to be living life in a way that you want, right? It actually has a broad reach because we aren't, as much as we like to compartmentalize things, we are not uh, separate individuals. We are all like our work life impacts our home life, yes. impacts our relationships, impacts everything. So it's, it is broad reaching. And the problem is living with somebody who, who is burnt out is incredibly difficult. Uh, right? yeah, you can, yeah. You can ask my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Right. You add in cynicism, you add in 
a demoralized sense of self, it's incredibly hard to yeah. live with this person. So yeah, huge impacts. Amazing. Uh, it, I mean, it's just like, I never thought that I may have suffered from burnout. But like now that we're in this discussion, I'm like, oh my God, this was totally... This is totally my issue. Like because I because I must have I'm, I must be such an egotist that that I never thought that this would I could ever be classified as a victim of burnout. But like I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm all these things you're saying and I'm like this is if it was well, if it was if it was me and I'm a pretty strong guy, if it was if it was happening to me, I know that it was that it's happening to to my friends. I mean, like I feel like there are so many people. I would say I can't throw a figure out there, but I feel like there's probably half or more of the people listening to this podcast right now that are living in that world right now in their job in music education. Oh, totally. Totally. When I, when we started doing research for the book and I came upon the study that described some of the symptoms, I almost started crying because I was like, oh hell, that was my problem. (laughs) And it's, it is a little depressing and it is pervasive, which is why I became a burnout coach, because the amount of it that I witness around me, the number of colleagues I have, I have a, I have a ex-colleague who, um, almost had heart failure at 28 years of age because of this. And again, that's another physical side effect. Of course, you mentioned mental side effects. There are plenty of them, you know, our, our doling out of anxiety medicine and antidepressant drugs, Mm -hmm. um, is not all related to true mental illness. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, and I and I I feel like we're pitched these these drugs, which are essentially just band aids. When when we're not when we have the cure available to us, it's it's. I mean, we have. I mean, not to quote your brand, but the burnout cure available <laughs> to us, um, and we choose not to dig in and and do the dirty work that we need to do and get in touch with ourselves and find out who we are, because um, because. We're, I guess, what are we? We're afraid of what we're going to find. Is that? Oh, I mean, it's super scary. When I start teaching people meditation, a lot of times they tell me their number one resistance is having to listen to the voices in their head, mm-hmm. having to sit just with themselves. That isn't, it's not something we're raised to do, especially in this culture, right? Other cultures more so. But we're not raised to sit down, be quiet, listen to ourselves, and get in touch with that. Mm-hmm. And yet, the irony is that if we were raised to do that, we probably wouldn't have this epidemic of burnout the same way. Well, for sure, for sure. And we're bombarded with information and, and stimuli. And I mean, you wake up, your phone wakes you up in the morning, yeah. right? You flip over, you look at Facebook, something makes you anxious. You, you, know, you see your, your ex-boyfriend with his new girlfriend you know, on, on, on your news feed at 7.30 a.m., you know, and you're like... <laughs> Oh my God, my life is falling apart, you know? And like, so you just started talking to yourself negatively right when you woke up in that, you know, that morning, right? And, you know, and you, you, um, I mean, I've, I've had issues, I mean, especially during the, this, this winter break when, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of choir directors lined up for the podcast because we were all direct, you know, we were all directing Christmas concerts and stuff. And, uh, you know, I would wake up, I'd look at that stupid phone. I take it into the bathroom. I I would there was points where that phone was in my hand while I was in the shower. Like 
like in the show, like I have him washing my hair with my right hand and swiping my on my you know you know the screen with my left hand. You know, like you might need an intervention. Like I think we do. Like I thought I was I thought I was good. You know, but 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 I also found that when I if I start my morning the right way, if I start with some kind of mindfulness, I used to use an app called Headspace, and I should yep. probably come back and use that again. Um, that I would wake up and the first thing I did was a 10 minute mindfulness meditation. And I just like just doing that, the, I, I, yeah, I, I maybe was distracted sometimes in my head, but when I was done, I was like, you know what, Ryan, you did that. You spent 10 minutes not thinking about anything else. You know, you were, you were, you were, you're, so I was actually, my self-talk became better because I was praising myself for having gone through that 10 minutes of being with my own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the point of meditation isn't actually to stop thinking, right? It's to mindfulness. The definition of mindfulness is paying attention on purpose. So it's to turn inward and pay attention mm-hmm. to yourself. Um, because then you're more able, you're more quickly able to readjust. Mm-hmm. To say, oh, something is off today. I need to do something about it. Right, you're you're you, you're listening. You're beginning to understand. I guess by turning inward, you're beginning to uh, understand your body's, your mind's language for for communicating with you, yeah. with yourself. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So I feel like this is a really great segue into um, the five habits that you brought to Choir Nation today. The top five habits to prevent burnout. Yeah. Um, and the first one um, we had talked about earlier um, in our pre-interview is to connect to yourself daily. So, right. So, so explain to me uh, some strategies for connecting to yourself on a daily basis. Completely. So um, I bring this one up. I didn't say, notice I didn't say meditate daily. Um, I, I bring this one up because my understanding, right, of being a singer is that you, in order to have your full range available to you of your voice, mm-hmm. you have to kind of have the optimal structural alignment in your body in order oh, to, yes. to do that, right? Absolutely. Um, and really what that is, is you have to be spacious in your own body in order yes. to find that full range. And so that's You know a I'm lot saying. more about singing than than, than I thought you know. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I know why I'm not good at it. Um, (laughs) So in order to connect to yourself daily, what I'm really talking about is this exact same thing, um, is that you are creating more space within your body in order to become more resilient to stress. Um, And there's a variety of techniques that work for this. So meditation is obviously one. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way of facilitating it is a mindfulness practice, right? That paying attention on purpose, which you don't even have to do while you're sitting in a Zen posture. Mm -hmm. Um, One that I'm a huge fan of, especially for people that feel like they quote unquote can't meditate is actually conscious relaxation. Oh, explain Um, that. Yeah. So it's it's relaxing on purpose, if you will. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't mean sitting in front of the TV. I mean um, most typically it works really well lying flat on the floor mm-hmm. and progressively doing um, – you could do a body scan, which is a huge part of a mindfulness practice. Or um, I really like to tense muscles and then let them go mm-hmm. um, and then just focus on your breath for a period of time. I actually did it for 10 minutes before we jumped on the call so that I could be relaxed mm-hmm. and present for this. Um, there's, you know, breathing, focusing on your breathing, mm-hmm. huge for it. And then there's a lot of other things. Journaling can be a form of tapping in with yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
some people have other meditative activities. I would argue um, exercise doesn't count. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of um, I don't know if it's ego that goes into exercising, especially nowadays with all of our Instagram accounts. Um, but I feel like we're always looking to like impress somebody when we're there. Well, and I mean, you and I live in New York City, right? And I go to all of these fancy workout studios mm-hmm. where there's a score and there's all these, they're hardcore, right? You look at CrossFit, that is not um, connecting to yourself. That is important, but it is not connecting to yourself. Okay. So, so what is like maybe the, the quickest, simplest yeah. of, of, of so these? What I have my clients do, well, I think conscious relaxation is very easy and you can spend five or 10 minutes a day doing it and it's wonderful. The other thing I have, um, you know, a lot of my clients are hyper busy. They have a lot going on. Um, and because of that, they feel a huge lack of space. So I actually have them um, learn to start taking three complete breaths every time they switch activities. Oh, okay. Okay. And the results that they've seen is amazing. First of all, they realize how multitasking sort of kills you because then all of a sudden yes. you're always pausing to breathe. But they also realize how much space it takes up. And, right? we, and we wonder why kids are losing their mind in school when they have a three-minute shift between class where they're anxious about whether they're going to get a, a, in trouble when they finally get to the next class. They're going from, you know, from physical education to literature in no time you know they have just they've literally changed their clothes they're you know they're grabbing yeah. their books running off they have 3 minutes to get to their next class right 5 minutes if you're in a generous high school they're hoping they get there through the crowded hallway without without somebody murdering them along the way right yeah. and and they're not late and we're wondering why they're on anti-anxiety medication well and then half the time they're also checking a phone or trying to create some social connection and there's a lot of distraction. Right. And yeah. and if like geez, I feel like maybe every teacher should implement some 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 conscious relaxation at the beginning of their their choral warm up. Oh, uh, that'd be it amazing. It would be amazing. It w- every teacher should be implementing it at the the start of every period, right? It would be absolutely phenomenally amazing. And that's the thing is it's not just the teachers burning out. Kids are experiencing burnout as well, which you're pointing to. And in our research, I actually found a lot of stuff because parents are overcrowding their schedule. And like you just said, we're, we're giving them no space and they're not allowed to be kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Mom's job now in 2016 is carting kid from event to event to event when the kid just wants to go home and probably consciously relax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But you're not going to get into Harvard by relaxing. Right. right so. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so connecting to yourself daily. What is number two? Number two is knowing what's most important to you. Um, so burning out happens slowly, which is a part of why we don't really recognize that it's fully happening to us until sometimes after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this often isn't recognized, um, meaning that we don't recognize it because we, we don't know enough about ourselves to kind of stop it or prevent it or understand that we're on that progression. So when I'm saying knowing what's most important to you, I'm talking about getting very clear on what you value most, um, what is really uh, important for you to align your life to and around. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, in some ways, this is the most important factor in avoiding burnout is that um, what, what research has proven is that burnout is spurred by a mismatch between the person and the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that comes down to values. 
Okay, so, so, so do you use like the, um, uh, I know that, uh, like cognitive behavioral, behavioral psychology, they use like a, um, uh, like a, a values wheel that has, you know, family, relationships, spirituality. Do you help people yeah, get in touch I mean, that way? My, um, I have a wheel too, but that's actually, I, I think it's somewhat limiting because I think it even goes bigger than that. The, mm-hmm. Typically the assessment I have people do has something like 75 different values that they could go in and choose from, but there's also freedom to add to that. Okay. So, um, I think, you know, that that depends. Like one of my top values is connection. So it's really important to me that I'm constantly connecting with people and building strong relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's knowing those things. My top value is personal growth. And the number one reason that I burned out in my last position was totally because there was no chance for me to find or experience personal growth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so I think it's really important to kind of get that because once we become really rooted in what we value most and what's most important to us, we're sort of giving ourselves the confidence and the permission to go after it. Like you were saying, right? There is something else out there mm-hmm. because it's based on what you value most. And then we actually sort of stop looking for validation from other people. It, yeah, I feel like that's the world that I lived in was constantly seeking validation from other people. And um, wow, that's eye-opening, Dana. That's eye-opening. <laughs> I mean, incredible. I mean, you're listening. You're listening to my burnout therapy session right here on <laughs> on the Find Your Forte podcast. So, so knowing what is most important. So I, I mean, so what is, it, what kind of resource would Choir Nation look to 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 sort of uh, look at that? Yeah, you view know, a menu of what is most important. I will. Um, we're going to create a special resource page for Choir Nation. So. Um, I will go ahead and put the value sheet that I use in my practice up there for them to use. Oh, that's wonderful, Dana. Thank you. So yeah. where, where do you think we could we could send the Choir Nation to to get yep. that? So um, my website is Dana, D-A-N-A-T, Campbell, um, and that'll be in your notes, I'm assuming, yeah. um, forward slash Forte. Great. Okay, DanaTCampbell.com forward slash Forte. I'm sure we'll mention it again yeah. uh, before before it's up, but but there'll be a nice little values worksheet there for Choir Nation. Okay, amazing. That's really helpful. What is number three, Dana? Uh, it's kind of all around curiosity and learning to listen to your gut. And this is another big one, right, that we, we've kind of already said it multiple times. Something's off and we're just not paying attention to it. So getting into the practice of constantly asking questions um, and understanding what's going on. And hence, this goes back to why it's so important to connect with yourself on a daily basis. So what does a gut feeling feel like? How do you know when your gut's talking to you? Oh, good question. (laughs) I didn't say it was going to be easy, Dana. Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I think it's this feeling of, if you feel like you can't jump into something and there's something kind of holding you back, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's that sensation of something holding you back. I feel like our gut rarely tells us, oh, yeah, this is great. Go do this. It's more the other way around. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just my body. It's easier to listen to, hey, this doesn't feel right. It's that sense that this doesn't feel right. Something's off. I, there is a um, there's an entrepreneur that I was recently listening to um, on an, another podcast, and I'm forgetting the name, and it'll probably come to me. Uh, oh, it's Derek Sivers. Uh, his name is Derek. Yeah. Derek Sivers. Derek says, um, 
no more yes. It's either hell yeah or no. Yes. So if if some if an opportunity arises and your gut doesn't say hell yeah, then it's probably a no, right? It, totally. And this is where like learning to say no is really hard for most of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that thing comes up where you have hesitation, it's just a no. It is just a no. Right. Right, exactly, and you and you have to. And that's the one thing I've learned as a as an entrepreneur, and especially as a sort of a freelancer and and business coach um, for for musicians, is that I've been teaching them, you know, that they have to clear their plate um, of the things that are not hell yeses to open space for things that are. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, again, why then see these all stack, why it's so important to know what you value most. Mm-hmm. Because often the hell yeses go right around what you value most. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe if, even if you don't know your values right now, begin to, begin to think what you say yes to, what you say hell yes to, and figure out maybe where that, what value that falls into. And then maybe you'll have exactly. a better definition of what the value is. Totally. Totally. So number four. Um, so this one is kind of around not taking everything so seriously. So there, the next two sort of go very much together. But, um, you know, burnout isn't all about the organization. So it's not all about the school. It's not all about the parents who are putting you in this situation. There is definitely a piece of, um, of yeah, the individual who's responsible for burning out. And um, the research, the initial researcher in burnout, burnout kind of came up with this 12-step process. And the very first part was that um, you're sort of – actually, the second part was really that there's this intensity that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And so it's when you're completely throwing yourself into work and everything is a fire drill or an emergency mm-hmm. or um, whatever – it's it's allowing that space and that humor for things to just be as they are, mm-hmm. right? Whenever the, and when everything is a fire drill and emergency, you tend to make turn yourself into the victim of your own life. Exactly, exactly, and this goes back to the idea of being focused on outside approval and validation as well, right? Our culture is actually sort of built around that. You mentioned Facebook and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. is outside validation. That is seeking outside validation. Oh my god, right? yeah. And because of that, we overemphasize the small stuff, and then we start internalizing unnecessary stress as a result. So when we start to back away from that, and we put a little bit of space between ourselves and kind of that sort of, you know, oh, everything is super important and the sky is falling down, Mm -hmm. we start to create a lot more space and we start to minimize our chances for burning out. I mean, honestly, laughing more is like the best medicine. (laughs) Yeah, right. I've even heard when when you're starting to feel like you're taking things too seriously, even actually just, I think therapists call it the half smile where you Mm -hmm. just turn the sides of your mouth up Mm -hmm. like you're smiling and it releases something in your brain that just makes it better. It just makes it a little easier to deal with. Well, you've also probably heard it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Oh, for sure. So by turning your lips up, right, you start relaxing your muscles, Uh which then actually starts switching your brain chemistry. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. So laughter is the best medicine. Yes, yes. How about number five, Dana? Okay, so, uh, and this one is uh, hard for me. It's really hard, I know, for you too, because I've heard you talk about it. Um, letting go of perfection. Well, when you're this perfect, it's very difficult. No, okay. No. <laughs> well, I mean, and that is what we strive for 
As choral directors, we strive for you know an incredibly shiny sound with perfect vowels and 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 you know incredible intonation, and we want to do justice to the composer's work. And uh, you know, we but when we spend hours, con- you know, consuming books and lectures and listening to concerts, you know, in order to achieve that perfect sound. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm going to let you talk, but then I'm going to give you a little bit, a little more nuggets on, on that one. So go yeah. ahead. Yeah. I mean, well, I listened to your, I think he was your last guest or a couple of guests ago, and he was talking about his rehearsals are planned down to the minute. Oh, yes. That's, yep, Joe from, uh, yeah. yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so the, the thing that I want to call out, because it's actually kind of important, is that perfectionism, um, well, first, it's been proven as the link um, to burning out as one of the key kind of characteristics to burning out and predictors of. But it actually has two components to it. Um, So the first is the extremely high standards, which is what you were just kind of mentioning. The second is actually being incredibly self-critical of yourself when things aren't perfect Mm -hmm. and holding yourself to that standard and sort of the self-talk you give. A big study came out last year that actually directly proved that perfectionistic concerns, this beating oneself up for not being perfect, is a direct contributor to burnout. Um, So the question is kind of like, how do you stop beating yourself up for things not being perfect? And Mm -hmm. I don't have the answer. I'd be a billionaire if I uh, had the answer. Mm -hmm. But this is what I do know. And this is kind of what I want to put out to your um, audience is that perfection is boring. um, And that we learn a lot more in life from the stuff that is imperfect than the stuff that is perfect. Um, And I totally hear you on wanting to do justice to a previous composer's work Mm -hmm. and kind of all of that. But, you know, sometimes... um, Sometimes I like the cover song so much more than I like the original song. Right, exactly. No, I'm I'm with you completely. I'm with you completely. So yeah, no, as a as a choral director, I spend less time, I've taught myself to spend less time worrying about the technical and more about spending time um actually connecting to to the text and sort of the emotionality of the piece that I'm that I'm working on. The reason why I do that is I found that you know, and I work with you know mostly teenagers. I found that my students actually do the right technical things when they connect to the more spiritual, right? You like literally don't have to spend time fixing technical issues if 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 the learning is 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 meaningful to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that 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 meaning right, is so much a part of the human experience, that connection to that meaning. And so what I often tell my clients is actually that our work isn't to try to be perfect. Our work is to embrace the fact that we are perfectly human Mm -hmm. and that being perfectly human means that we have gut connections and spiritual connections to pieces like you're talking about, to Mm -hmm. work like you're talking about. Right, right. And if it's not something, it's very, you know, if if we don't connect to it as an ensemble, um, whether we're, you know, I don't program it in a concert, <laughs> you know, whether it makes, you know, historical sense to put, you know, if we're doing this particular um, uh, concert uh, and it makes historical sense to, you know, to, to bring in a particular work. Um, I was actually, rec- I'm working on a concert program right now called um, Elements and we're doing, uh, my group Viridis is doing um a concert that features earth, fire, wind, and water, and there's an incredible 
um, incredibly well-known piece by a composer named Thomas Morley of, of the Renaissance uh, era, and it's called Fire, Fire, My Heart. And I think it's a piece of crap. Now, now I, I, I'm sure Choir Nation just gasped right now, <laughs> um, but there are so many more madrigals in the in the English Renaissance you know repertoire uh, that are so much better than this and 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 I'm sure there's there are plenty that that mention fire or or some kind of rapture um, not or uh, not rapture um, some kind of holocaust or, or destruction um, and uh, I'm I will spend time trying to find the right piece so that I don't have to do this one, which is the one that everybody uh, expects me to do. Because, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, you're doing Fire. Well, why don't you just do Fire, Fire by Thomas Morley? And it's like, well, yeah, but it's like crap and I don't connect to it. And, and I could spend hours upon hours. And, and granted, my high school group only meets two hours a week, wow. right? Where most high school programs meet multiple times a week for an hour or so. I don't have time to spend on something that... I, I'm, I'm my heart is into and that my kids my kids heart you know hearts are not into so I'm just not going to do it and I will spend more time finding the right thing uh, that I'll be able to do to spend less time on and get an even better result but I actually think what you just said is what's critical right is that we don't have time nobody in this world has time and I don't mean the over busy complex I mean life is short mm-hmm. you don't have time to spend to spend your precious time on stuff you don't think is important. Right. Exactly. Right. Cause if, cause if you're, if it's not important to you, it probably doesn't fit in your values set. So you just shouldn't do it. Right. And people are like, well, are you being lazy? No, you're being, you're being true to yourself. You're being true to yourself. You're being true to yourself. And this world needs a lot more people who are being true to themselves. Right. That's where the magic comes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we call this find your forte. I'm trying to help people. Trying to help people find their forte. Seriously, and, and we we need we need permission nowadays oh, yeah. to 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 follow our dreams. Yeah, you know, uh, for some reason people think that work is supposed to be miserable. It's just work. That's what it is. Like, no, yeah. you're not doing anybody favors by by being miserable at work. No, you're not. In fact, you're actually probably doing a much bigger detriment. Exactly right. You're not going to put your heart and soul into your work if you're if you hate going there every day. Well, think about it, right? The person on their way on the subway to a job they hate is going to be a jerk to the other people on the subway, and that just kind of keeps spreading and passing on. So that's the problem in the subway, clearly. <laughs> I'm like, could you please let me get off the subway before yeah. you push in the door? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's just a lot of people out there who who need what you're selling. They need what you're selling. So, you know, and that's my pleasure to be able to offer it. Well, listen, let's let's jump back, review these five these these five uh, habits to prevent burnout, okay. and then I'm going to leave Choir Nation um, with a way that they can get in touch with you if they're interested in uh, hearing more about what you what you do and they, how they can follow you, and uh, and that'll be that'll be it. Awesome. So yeah, the first one is connecting to yourself on a daily basis. The second is you know, getting very curious about what's most important to you. The third is learning to listen to your gut. And basically, we could say, hell yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, not taking everything so seriously is number four. And letting go of perfection is number five. So, Choir Nation, I'm going to throw these points as well as some more notes 
up at my website, which is www.ryanguth.com, and this is episode 36, so it'll be forward slash 036 for episode 36. I'll also be posting it on my social media page. Uh, My Facebook fan page is facebook.com forward slash ryan.guth. We're going to leave a link to Dana's website, uh, the special gift link um, for the values worksheet, uh, there again, if you want to go directly to that, it's Dana T. Campbell.com forward slash forte. And uh, Dana, how can how can Choir Nation connect with you online? Where are you where are you present? Yeah, so I am on um, basically all of the channels at mm-hmm. the Burnout Cure. So Instagram, Twitter, I'm at the Burnout Cure. Facebook, my page is the Burnout Cure. In Choir Nation, we will link to all of that. And, uh, you know, my tagline is, is um, helping you to step up to the podium with purpose. And Dana, I feel as though you have equipped Choir Nation to step up to the podium with purpose today, and I'm sure for a very long time. And I really appreciate you being my guest today on the Find Your Forte podcast. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you. All right, Choir Nation, thank you for tuning in. I want to make sure that you also tune in next week. For Linda Davis, my interview with Linda Davis, she is actually an amazing country singer, and she's been touring with Kenny Rogers for the last 20 years. She'll be actually coming up uh, in March. She'll be, she'll be performing on Kenny Rogers' 18-month farewell tour. I have no idea how this man does it. And she has won a Grammy Award and um, also other awards for collaboration with Reba McIntyre. And we talk about the similarities between the choral music world and the country music world and what good performance is. And there's just so many commonalities between the two genres. It's just totally incredible. You know, I was a little apprehensive going to going into the interview because I wasn't sure whether this would be valuable for Choir Nation. But once the interview was complete, I was so glad that I did it. And there's going to be so many things that are just outside of the box that we're going to help you uncover next week. I cannot wait for you to tune in. So thank you very much again uh, for supporting the Find Your Forte podcast. If you love it, tell a friend, post it on Facebook, share a link. Uh, I appreciate it very, very much. And I hope you enjoy season two uh, with Dana Campbell, myself, Linda Davis next week. And the following week, we have another amazing guest, Zach Hill, who you will love as well. So I uh, thank you so much for joining me once again, and we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.